Welcome to the Careers, Employability and Skills podcast from Queen's University Belfast. This episode is led by Queen's Employability Consultant, Rachel Gordon of the Queen's Careers Team, who will be talking to various employers from the NGO and non-profit sectors. Good afternoon everyone and welcome to our talk today. Are you seeking a career in the public, charity or NGO sectors? And what is that pathway to success? My name is Rachel Carden, um, Employability Consultant in Careers, Employability and Skills, and I will host this webinar today. We have a number of very interesting people who are here today to talk to you who are ready to answer your questions. Um, so I'm going to hand it over to them to introduce yourselves. So panelists, whenever you're introducing yourselves, can you tell our audience what you studied, your organisation, and um, tell them your position, please. So we're going to start with Niall, if you just want to turn on your camera, Niall, and introduce yourself. Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for inviting me to your um, event this afternoon. My name is Niall McAvoy. I'm an area manager with the uh, probation board. Um, I have been qualified as a probation officer for the last 20 years and have worked um, in that capacity in Northern Ireland as well as in um, England. Um, my pathway commenced um, following the A-levels, much as the same as yourselves, um, at school in Newry, and then I did a law and politics degree and went on following completion of my undergraduate degree to do a postgraduate in social work in the late 1990s. Um, and after enough. that, I got involved in probation. Thank you. Thanks so much. Do you just keep us on camera there for a second now so everyone can see, then see you. So then we've got a Chief Rahili from the, I'll, I'll let you introduce yourself, Chief Ra. Thanks, Rachel. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Shifra, and I work for the Community Foundation in Northern Ireland as Director of Development. So I've been in the voluntary sector now for almost 30 years, and I'll talk through later on with you um, my path uh, through that. Started with um, a degree in hotel and tourism management, which was nothing to do with the voluntary sector, and um, then entered the voluntary sector, and I went back and did an MSc in executive leadership um, about six or seven years ago. So that's my sort of route to being here today. I'm looking forward to talking to you later. Thanks. That's good. And you just keep your camera on there as well. And then um, we're hopefully having Maria Claire. I'm not sure if you're on just yet, Maria Claire, joining us um, at some stage during the presentation. We're just getting her signed on at the minute. So I suppose now it's time to let's get to let's get started. So one of the reasons that we're doing this this particular webinar is also in the lead up to a work experience and placement fair that's happening tomorrow, just to, to, to keep that in mind. And the reason that you've joined us here today is to understand what a successful career looks like in the public charities and NGO sector, um, what skills and experience are needed, and what are the opportunities available. And how do I build up my portfolio? Because developing a career in these sectors can be slightly different than our traditional pathway of maybe doing a placement and then that placement moving into a graduate role. Um, so, like I said, there's a number of great speakers here today to answer some of those questions. So let's get started then with our presentations. So the first presentation we're going to have is from Niall. So, Niall, I'm going to hand it over to you. Thank you, Rachel. Um... Thank you everybody again for um, inviting me and having me here at your panel uh, this afternoon. Um, I am going to speak about my own career path uh, into the probation board um, from its humble beginnings when um, I was uh, an A-level student at school uh, through to my undergraduate years, um, subsequent voluntary experience, and then returned to full-time education as a postgraduate uh, social work student. So um, my sincerest hope is, is that I nurture some interest amongst um, yourselves uh, in the uh, job and role of a probation officer um, and the rewards that it can bring you um, as a lifetime career um, and as an interesting and um, rewarding job um, that will hopefully uh, provide you with um, a lifetime of professional um, satisfaction um, and experience. So if I move to the right um, and start my presentation, um, and as I mentioned earlier, I gave a brief overview of my career pathway um, into the probation board. I graduated in 1993 uh, with a law degree in 
Law and Politics from the University of Birmingham. Um, following my graduation, I commenced employment with the same community, Northern Ireland, um, in a number of projects in Newry, Derry and Belfast. And I think that those were key years um, in the mid-90s because they gave me an interest in working with people, uh, working within communities, uh, very often with people who um, were struggling uh, with the challenges that life was throwing at them and um, often falling foul of the criminal justice system. And I suppose that's where I probably got my first experience of uh, working with um, uh, probation officers. Um, following my time with the same community, I was fortunate enough to secure uh, voluntary experience with the probation board, uh, working with uh, juveniles and um, and a juvenile program in the Craig Avon area. And again, it was through my voluntary work there where I gained much more experience uh, working at the interface um, with probation officers and also uh, with a, a core group of juvenile offenders. So we're really talking about fairly early period in my career. I was in my 20s then where I um, got good experience and uh, very worthwhile experience working with um, offenders and work with their families. It was from those years working with Simon Community and working with PBNA as a volunteer that uh, I was fortunate enough to secure a place on the uh, University of Ulster postgraduate uh, diploma in social work at the McGee campus. So for two years, um, I studied uh, for my social work professional qualification. Um, as you probably, a lot of you will know, the placements were really the, the key components of, of my academic training as they, in many respects, signpost you as to the area of social work that you're going to involve yourself in. So my first placement in 1988 was with uh, learning disability uh, adults um, living in residential, uh, supported residential communities in the North Down area. And my second placement was with PBNA. Um, split between the custodial setting um, in McGilligan and our, one of our community offices in Derry. Um, again, that was a, a challenging and very uh, rewarding placement because it was in that final part of the qualification where I um, got my grounding, got my foundations in working as a probation officer. So at the end of night, or the summer of 1999, June 1999, I qualified um, from University of Ulster. And um, often life throws at you uh, curveballs. And on this occasion, I ended up returning to Birmingham, where I did my undergraduate degree, this time um, as a qualified probation officer. And I worked in an inner city part of South Birmingham for almost two years. Um, again, very rewarding experience. I was working um, with uh, a large caseload of 30 to 35 um, men and women who had to be supervised on statutory orders from the court. So this was my first taste of working as a professional um, probation officer. And I'm going to speak to you later in the presentation about what the main roles are. Um, again, it was a shock to the system. Obviously, Birmingham is a big city, and there were a lot of challenges there at the time, particularly in terms of um, class A drug use, which wasn't maybe a phenomenon here at that time. 2001, I returned to Northern Ireland. Um, I'd actually met my wife the year before, and uh, I returned uh, to, to, to settle here for good. Um, and I commenced as a probation officer. Uh, that year and have been employed with the probation board ever since. So basically that is my summation, a summary of my um, career into and halfway into probation out of my social work training. So you're probably wondering what the main roles are as a probation officer and your chief responsibility as an officer of the court is for the management and supervision of individual offenders. 
in the community uh, and also uh, working with them in custody before they are released uh, in the, to the community. So um, the management of offenders basically um, involves, in a nutshell, supervision of uh, service users through offices dotted throughout Northern Ireland um, and holding them to account, supporting them also to get through the orders which would have been made uh, by the courts. So it's our chief responsibility to discharge uh, supervision of the orders. Um, in many cases, these community orders are an alternative to uh, custody. And in the main, individuals are sentenced, if they aren't sentenced to custodial sentence, uh, to a period of probation or community in service or a period of enhanced um, probation. Um, and we would supervise them and ensure that they uh, complete the tasks that were set before them by the court to address the reasons why they're getting into trouble um, with the outcome of uh, desisting from further offending. Another chief task of the probation officer is to write and complete courts or reports, sorry, for the courts um, and for the, uh, the licensing panel. So I would urge a lot of you who are enjoy report writing and who enjoy the process of putting together a report to seriously consider uh, the probation officer job as a rule for you because it is a big component um, of our work and it is a very important and key uh, part of, of our suite of services uh, to the courts. So basically, before, in, in most cases, if a custodial sentence is being considered by a judge, there will be an adjournment and probation board will be tasked to complete a report for uh, the court. So it's a, an important document and it forms an, an integral part of um, sentencing. You, another role is representing probation in court. And again, um, this is one of the attractions for many of us and what's got many of us into a probation in the first place. Um, just to hark back a bit to my early years, I remember doing um, or having work experience uh, when I was at school 30 plus years ago. And the first time I think I seen a probation officer was in court um, and he was standing up and he was uh, speaking to the judge and to the court about a particular case. So uh, we are a, a, a major part of the whole court process. And again, if that is something that you like and something you think you would be good and interested in, um, I would recommend it um, as, a, as a major uh, attraction to this job. You, you will be right there in the middle of the sentencing process and the whole uh, court environment. So it's a major part of our job. And lastly, we complete reports for the pro commissioners for Northern Ireland for individuals who um, are, are in custody and have to be considered for, for release. So that's broadly our role. Um, our ethos is restorative and it's a major part of our, um, our mission statement. And that is that we look to, with our service users, for them to restore something positive into the community to counteract the, the negative um, which was caused to um, their communities through their offending. Um, and that's more and more a, a, a part of, of what we do, it always was, but um, it's, it's certainly to the fore uh, in our work. And again, it's a very attractive part of our job insofar as you will be working with communities, with the statutory sector in addressing offending and making communities safer through individual work um, with our service users. Obviously, uh, reducing reoffending is a major part of our remit, um, and that is, is our raison d'etre. That is what we want. We want to help individuals help themselves to, to move on and adopt a lifestyle which is uh, um, law abiding um, and rewarding for them. Um, we aim to also provide retail training opportunities through our. Uh, partnerships with employment agencies like NIACO. Our community service order is a major part also of our work with um, our service users in that we seek to retrain them and show them new skills and new opportunities that may take them into a different employment pathway 
and away from the need to, to offend. And again, we're responsive to, to community need. Um, we work across the piece with the charitable and voluntary sector and also the statutory sector in seeing what um, uh, is the need that, that, that we, PBNA can help in addressing uh, problems in the community. A major platform of ours uh, for which we involve ourselves with are the police, community and safety partnerships with the local councils. So we are an integral part uh, of, of those forums and they look to address um, issues uh, in, in the community, which we can help with. Just briefly, again, um, as I said, PBNA are part of the process of addressing offending and leading to rehabilitation of our service users. I'm going to quickly wrap this up because of slightly run out of time, um, but again, this will be available later for you to look at. We work with partnership across uh, the various agencies. Um, our facts are available on our internet as to the amount of people that we work with. Um, and just to reiterate that our skills and the skills we're looking for are good report writers, people who can motivate individuals, who are good working with teams, and they're confident working in the courts and with the community and voluntary sectors. So just to finish, um, we are an enabler of change. We look to assess risk but address need, and we look to protect the public through rehabilitation. Um, and I really have nothing more to add to that. I'm happy to take your questions at the end of, of this input, and many thanks. That's great. Now, I'm just going to go back one slide there just to highlight some of the community service placements, if you want to highlight that to the um, students, because it's, it's, yes. that's a very important part of the whole presentation, I think. Yes, Rich. Community service placements um, are dotted across Northern Ireland, and basically if an individual is sentenced to a community service order um, of up to 200 hours, they have to uh, complete voluntary work with our staff in the community. So. For example, we would have a placement in placements in Armagh, Newry, uh, the areas that that, that I manage, um, which seek to tidy up local areas, remove uh, unsightly graffiti, um, remove or address flight happen in, in various areas. Um, we also have uh, community service placements in more rural areas, away from the urban centres and. Again, it's about uh, tangible work completed by people to better local communities. Um, and we really can't do that work without our partnerships with, with local providers who, who provide us with these opportunities. So it's a big, big part of our suite of um, uh, services. Um, and again, judges and senators love it because it's a tangible uh, example of putting something good back into the community. Thanks, Niall, very much. Um, so I'm going to move on. I'm just going to close that. I'm just going to move on. So we've got Chifra. Um, Chifra is from the Community Foundation NI. So like I said, please send in your, your questions for Chifra. Thanks, Rachel. Um, lovely to be with you all. Um, and thanks for the invitation. So um, I'm just going to start by just talking you through my career so far. And actually, in the middle there is the Simon community. And Niall and I obviously worked for the same organization at one stage, but our, I don't think our paths crossed. But um, I started uh, with a, a degree in hotel and tourism, as I said earlier. And when I finished my degree, there were absolutely very few jobs around um, in Northern Ireland or anywhere, actually, in the UK or Ireland. And a lot of my friends and colleagues at the time um, left the country and thankfully a lot of them have come back but I was very fortunate in that I got a post with a training scheme called the ACE scheme at the time and I got that post with Cooperation Ireland and that opened up huge opportunities for me for the next um, 30 years so I mean if there are opportunities for you as graduates to, to, to join a graduate placement scheme or to to get involved in any of those, I would encourage you to take those up. They, they are hugely beneficial to, to you and also to the organizations that, that, that you might work with. But I started with Cooperation Ireland and um, there I was doing things like organizing conferences, twinning councils right across Ireland, um, and right from that to organizing the Mara Cycle, if any of you remember or, or have taken part in that event. And then I moved on to the Simon community um, about three years later. And that was a 
my first role um, in a kind of a supervision stroke management role. And I had two fantastic mentors in there. And again, I think wherever you end up in your careers, find a mentor or a coach, somebody who you can respect and you look up to and somebody who will encourage you and develop, you know, help you develop your career. It was hugely important because, and particularly within the voluntary and community sector, which sometimes can be quite small and Simon Community is probably one of the larger organizations in Northern Ireland, but in there I got the opportunity to work across different aspects of the role and the organization. You know, you could have been on a sleep out with homeless people one night and then you could be writing a grant application the next the next week. But but that was all because I was given that those opportunities um, and I looked for them. So I would I would really encourage encourage you to do that and then moved on to the Prince's Trust which is a UK-wide charity so again within the charity sector if any of you are interested in that you'll know there's very small organizations there's UK-wide there's international I'll come on and talk a little bit about that but really in terms of career development and um, within the sector you do need to move around a little and experience the different the different structures and and you can specialize in the larger charities so within the Prince's Trust, I suppose I, I moved into more of a development role and I was working with the corporate sector. I was working with boards. I was helping people, young people set up businesses um, on volunteer programs. And again, I think the big learning for me there was working with a UK wide charity. And again, after three or four years, I moved on to Northern Ireland Hospice, which is quite a large organization. It has about 300 staff. It has the children's hospice. It has the adult hospice. It works in the community. It has obviously the hospice settings themselves. But um, I was there for 14 years, which was quite a long time. But the organization was was large enough um, to allow me to develop my career within that. And, and I did end up as a director in the Northern Ireland Hospice. And, you know, that involved working with 28 shops right across um, Northern Ireland. There were 75 staff on the team. Um, we were doing everything from building a new hospice to um, operating uh, the, 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 just the day-to-day -day work. Um, I was working very much directly with the board at that stage um, when I left um, um, hospice. But um, again, they they invested in me, um, I have to say, and I have to be very thankful for that because they gave me the opportunity to go back and do an MSc in, a, in executive leadership. And uh, there were 14 absolutely brilliant years. Again, I had a brilliant manager and mentor in there initially who really encouraged and, and, and supported me to develop my career. And about four years ago then, I joined the Community Foundation. And what's quite different about that is that it's it's not specific to one cause. It is about the community in Northern Ireland. And, and that is what attracted me there in that I have an opportunity now to be working across many different causes, many different charities, and helping and advising people to give away money, which is a, a lovely job to do. Um, but, um, you know, in the meantime, I have joined a few boards, which, um, again, for, you know, you can start that now. Um, charities right across Northern Ireland, from small community groups to the bigger international charities, are all looking for people with very, very different skills. And that is often a way a way in um, into the sector. Um, for me, it came later in my career, um, and I joined the Association of Charitable Funders, and I'm also on the board of um, Bryson Charitable Group. So um, it, it, you kind of need to be moving constantly throughout your career if you want to to, to develop it and and also experience um, you know working in different sectors of of the voluntary sector. But like no two days are the same, and I I really can't stress that because you know there's some days you could be meeting a bunch of refugees and asylum seekers in the morning, and then you could be presenting to. Um, CEOs and chairmen in the afternoon and then meeting heads of state um, at a dinner in the evening and I absolutely love that about um, the variety and the way um, my job works and there are equally there are jobs that are very much nine to five in the voluntary sector but um, that's not the type of job I'm in but they but they do exist. Just a little bit um, about the sector generally um, for you there are over 10,000 charities in Northern Ireland so there's a huge variety of them. Most of them are small in other words, they're operating on budgets of less than £5,000 a year, and they're also um, voluntary-led. So there are huge opportunities to volunteer um, at a local level, um, either now or, or when you graduate. And it's a really good way into the sector and to experience how, how it all works. 
Um, the, the actual worth of the sector to Northern Ireland is huge. It's 1.5 billion. So um, you can see it's sizable in terms of its, its, its scope. Um, there are about 56,000 people employed by the voluntary sector in Northern Ireland and, and 250,000 volunteers. Um, most of the organisations, um, you'll see in the top right-hand corner of the slide there, most of the charities in Northern Ireland are based and only work in Northern Ireland, actually over 80% of them. Then there's about 6% would work on an all-Ireland basis and then about 7% um, on a UK-wide basis. And then you have an even smaller number, about 4% would, would be working internationally. So there's huge variety in the types of organisations that, that you can get involved in. And um, I've never worked for an international charity, but I've worked across um, the other three and they're all very, very different. And the kind of issues that charities are going to be looking for um, are working within, if you like, tend to be within these four. So education, health and um, religion is a big um, um, sort of uh, basis for charity, um, in, particularly in Northern Ireland and then youth, the youth sector. But I just want to touch very briefly on the terminology because it can be quite confusing. You'll hear charity, you'll hear community group, you'll hear not for profit, social enterprise third sector, NGOs, um, there, there's so many different um, governing structures, but essentially they're all in that space of, um, of, of being for the community and, and, and not for profit. Where profits are generated, they tend to go back in to, 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 the, to, to the sector in some shape or form. So they're not for private profit, I suppose is what, what I should say. Um, I want to touch just briefly on um, the, the, the voluntary sector around the governance, um, and that is what makes it slight, very, very different to other sectors in that they're, they're all governed by a board of trustees um, who, are in, who are voluntary. They must be voluntary so they, they can't gain any benefits, and it's all regulated by the Charity Commission for Northern Ireland. Um, the financing of the voluntary sector is quite an interesting thing just for any of you that are interested in finance. Um, if you look over to the right side of the slide there, you'll see that 75% of the funding for the charity sector comes from public funding. And by public funding, I don't mean the general public, I mean the statutory services. So there's a huge amount of um, reliance on the statutory sector in, in Northern Ireland. But you can see most people would sort of think, well, maybe lottery is the biggest funder or the general public are the biggest funder, but not in Northern Ireland. It's actually the government are the biggest funders of charities. But that will just give you um, an idea of the finances. In terms of the, the sort of the, the cultures and the, the values are, are often quite different within the voluntary sector. And they tend to be... Um, shared values and it's a very independent sector so it, it actually and it values its independence very much and i'm particularly talking here about the community foundation where we would be very careful not to get dependent on any one particular funder if we're accepting funds um, and we we like that independence of being able to challenge um, systems and challenge the way things are done and often challenge government as well as um, society um, around things. So it's, uh, those sort of values are very, very important. It tends to be a, a, a much more of a holistic approach to things in the voluntary sector. And it's, it's a very empowering sector. And, you know, the, the, the people whose voices aren't always heard get heard. Um, and there's a huge move for that at the minute within even more so within the voluntary sector you'll have heard a lot through COVID about the BAME community and you'll have heard a lot about lived experience and you know um, even issues like domestic violence mental health and charities now in the voluntary sector are looking for people with experience of those issues to be joining their boards and to be joining their staff teams so I'm sure there are opportunities for, for, for many, of you, uh, many of you out there um, even, even as a result of, of, of COVID um, the career opportunities, um, um, I talked about the different sizes of charities. If you want to specialise in a particular profession, it's hugely possible within the voluntary sector. So you can be a HR specialist, a finance specialist, you know, you can get involved in campaigning, communications, administration, but that tends to be in probably in the bigger charities. The much smaller ones, you're a little bit of a jack of all trades when you go in first. And then you can specialise afterwards, but it does, it's great for building up, building up your experience. And, and again, particularly if you can find a really good mentor. So 
that's just the point there about um you know a specific profession or or being being i i think going in with the attitude of being very flexible and and that learning um kind of approach to things and the is 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 a huge advantage um within because those opportunities exist if if you have that attitude in the voluntary sector there's also opportunity to move between the sectors a lot of people will spend time in the private sector or even the the public sector um uh, in in government um, organisations and then move in to the to, to to the voluntary sector later in their career and um, so that 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 certainly does does happen quite a bit and um, some of the benefits that I've found with um, working in the voluntary sector would be there's, there's huge job satisfaction and I think Niall touched on that earlier in his presentation as well and there's huge fulfilment and um, it's it, it, I had a picture of my family up on the first slide but that's a really important part of my life and and I've been able to have four children and be around and be very much part of their lives and have a full-time career in the voluntary sector so that flexibility um, that was offered to me and um, throughout my career has, has has really helped me be able to do that and um, and I value that because that's really important to me and um, the the salaries um are often they, they at some with the bigger organizations they can be comparable with with private and public sector organizations well public sector maybe not private sector but um generally they're lower um but there are many more benefits that um I really should stress um that that you do get through 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 the, the the voluntary sector and even where where I work myself I mean we get our birthdays off we get volunteering days we have a health cash plan we have um quite a good pension scheme and um, you know there's just all the flexible working being able to work from home all, all of that and, and 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 people value that I think there's a real shift to to, to that as well in 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 organizations and and, and it's really important and there's also a lot of benefits around travel and particularly if you're interested in, in international travel you know working for an NGO or a, a volunteer organization that works internationally might be a good opportunity and um, to do that and to experience different cultures and different ways of working and I do work with a lot of people who, who have who have come from that sector and locally plenty of opportunity to travel and um, within the within the voluntary sector and um, and again, huge opportunities for career development. Um, I don't want to go over go over them again, but um, I've, I've highlighted how, how it's helped me, and 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 that does exist. I want to mention challenge because it's it's often I think perceived as kind of the easy job or you know the place you might go just to do something nice. And um, it it is definitely a career with a purpose, but it's not easy and it's very challenging because. Um, you are, you know, you're always challenging systems and you're challenging expectations and perceptions and, and you're trying to make a change, um, within something, um, whatever voluntary organization you're working in. And it can also be hugely competitive, particularly for paid, for, for paid employment, but, um, hugely, hugely rewarding at the same time. So I, I think like some tips on, um, and these are just my own kind of, personal reflections and, and what I would share with you is, is if you are interested in a career your passion for the cause or the issues that that you're working on is is important particularly with a smaller organization when you're into a kind of a profession as in finance or communications you know you can probably bring those skills to any any organization but Definitely, if it's, a, if it's about a purpose, and um, you need to have a passion for that purpose, and um, research the cause, find out the charities and the different organisations that are working within that, um, and 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 look at who the staff teams are, look at the structures, see where you might fit in, and um, or where you you know have a, have a name for what what you might like to work in. Ask is a huge part. I think voluntary sectors, you know, particularly around volunteering opportunities, don't always advertise them. Um, it's often about keeping in touch, sign up to their newsletters and um, ring them up and speak to the HR person if they have a HR person. If they haven't, speak to whoever answers the phone and ask them, you know, are there any opportunities? How can I get involved? And there are some charities that specifically deal with volunteers, like Volunteer Now. Um, and um, that you could you could approach and, and ask ask them. And um, I would encourage you to volunteer when it comes to interviewing for for a paid member of staff uh, within the voluntary sector. You know, we we do look very much at the um, experience. And sometimes as a graduate, it's very hard to have years of experience. But you you have an opportunity to have 
voluntary experience and, and that, that will be taken into account. And it also lets you experience um, the voluntary sector and gives you a really good insight um, as to how, how, how things work. Um, if, if you have an opportunity to do an internship or a placement, um, I, I, I would encourage you to do that. Again, they maybe don't always advertise those. So um, I'm, I'm not okay with how the universities um, support you with that, but they can approach voluntary sector organizations as well and, and, and promote that um, within the sector. But just to, 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 to build and develop your CV um, in, in whatever way you can. Um, and I think that's that's it for me. Um, I'm really happy to take any questions again at the end and really hope that's helpful. Shafer, that was great. Thank you very much. There's a number of questions mm -hmm. coming in about okay. the presentation. So um, we're going to come back to it. I'm just going to go on ahead. Maria Claire, unfortunately, from HMRC has not been able to join us. She has not been able to join us. So I'm just going to um, we'll just flip through her presentation here just slowly so that anyone that does decide to watch this presentation back can just have a look at some of the opportunities that there are available in HMRC and obviously the fast stream. And if you do have any questions about that presentation, do feel free to email us because um, I know that Maria Claire would be happy to answer any of the questions that you have. So I'll ask Niall and Shifra to turn back on your cameras and your audio, if that's okay. Um, and I'm just going to start with some of the questions that are coming in. So I've got someone on, on, on different um, different screens here. So um, the first one is for Niall. Um, Niall, what would you advise students to do to build skills and experience they need to move into the um, probation um, officer role? Well, I would go back to the, the start of my presentation, Rachel, mm -hmm. um, and tap and also into what Sheepra said earlier, and it's about getting good experience um, with, you know, in particular community partners, for instance, the, the same community or restorative justice projects if they are working in, in, in your community. And also, um, again, echoing what Sheepra said, getting a mentor or getting somebody who's going to inspire you um, and lead you forward into the role if it be uh, the probation board. Um, but I would even just, say, just suggest simple things like um, if you get the opportunity to visit a, a magistrate's court, court when the courts reopen again, um, you know, it, it's within your gift to, 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 to attend the court and see uh, what probation officers do and, and how they are part of the process there. Um, so it, it's basically about working with that group, particular group of people in, a, in, in, in the community who are getting into bother and getting into trouble and okay. about identifying uh, voluntary work where you think that you can start that work. And with me, it was uh, the same in community and other partner agencies, uh, that's really where you, 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 you plant the seed of interest and that's where your career develops from. Okay, okay, that's brilliant. And Shifra, do you have any comments on that? Um, obviously, coming from the voluntary sector yourself, you've been able to build up your, your own portfolio to where you are now. Um, you know, how important was it for you to build up that portfolio, both both from a voluntary standpoint and then from a paid standpoint? Yeah. Um, no, I think it is. It is important. It's it, like what the voluntary sector employers, if I look at it from a paid, you know, role perspective, they, they look for flexibility. And if you mm -hmm. have volunteered and you can, you can talk from experience about um, having volunteered or worked somewhere, it's 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 a huge benefit. And um, I, I don't think the voluntary sector is any different anywhere else in terms of you know looking for people with the right skills and the right attitude, um, if I can phrase it like that, for, for, for a post. But um, if, if, if you're, you know, able to be flexible and you're showing, you know, that, that you've put yourself forward and you've gone and looked for volunteering opportunities and you've enjoyed them. I mean, you, that is the other thing. Like the passion is really um, a huge part of working mm -hmm. for the voluntary sector. Um, and people leave the voluntary sector because they don't have that or the culture's not right, the values aren't right for them. And that's OK. But, um, you know, um, definitely to try and get um, experience of volunteering somewhere. Um, and there are many opportunities to do that. Um, yeah, and and the the opportunities that you that you that you mentioned. Um, we have a question here: Is there a particular website or database of different organisations for the voluntary sector in NI? Or yes. How how do you do you look for those opportunities? Yeah, well, definitely. Um, I would 
contact volunteer now that's that's okay. one they're like an umbrella body for 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 volunteers as well as organizations that are looking um and um, for volunteers so they're they, i think they're they're if they haven't already developed they're developing a matching service so definitely get in touch with with volunteer now and um, i i would go back as well just to what i said earlier about lifting the phone doing the research if there's a particular cause or issue or even geographical area that you're interested in doing some voluntary work like we're all at home at the minute or many of us are at home yeah. you know and we're yeah. stuck within in geographical areas you know there would there, there there may be opportunities for you to do some work and i know groups aren't necessarily meeting at the minute but they may be doing some telephone advice service or um you know befriending services where they're maybe calling in and you know some of us do this naturally as well i mean i don't want to you don't have to be formally volunteering either you can be the you know if you're if you're somebody who you know you call on your neighbors once a week just to check that they're okay yeah. put that on your cv when you're applying to 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 the next next organization that just shows your your sort of the type of person you are your values and and, and again even just just your experience all of that's really important yeah and one of the i think one of the things that you both touched on there was um mentoring and finding volunteer experience yeah and um, if you look at you know networking inv involved in, in in that how important was it and how important was networking to yourself for maybe someone a student that is watching and isn't particularly a good networker yeah do you um, want to take um, that yeah. yeah now do you want us to go go ahead now and then we'll go to shifra yeah well in my experience um networking locally was key um okay. you know to de developing northern ireland's a very small place um mm -hmm. as you know and i think one of the great buzzes i get out of this job is is that you do feel that you are part of of your of your local community that you're okay. you know putting something in um positive and you're assisting people to address the reasons why they're getting into trouble and damaging communities so mm -hmm. i felt that um, my experience was that um often if you volunteer for one organization uh, that opens doors um, in, into other organizations okay. and, and even something maybe mightn't be as obvious for instance if you're involved say in in, in I don't know, sporting organizations and, and, and as Sheepra said, particularly in the pandemic age, you're helping out locally. Um, that's all key because, you know, our work and probably the same as with Sheepra's work is we are looking for, for, for leaders, really, for people to um, mm -hmm. affect change and to show um, how people can develop a better way of living and a more rewarding way of living. So um, in, in my case, it was both Schaefer and I were semi community graduates, so to speak. Um, yeah. But there were there were other opportunities. For, I did volunteer with probation board also, um, but just on a very micro local level. Okay. Um, and, and you will find that that will open doors and dominoes will fall in terms of of the experience that you can build up in your CV for getting on on the ladder if you want to become a probation officer. Okay. And Schaefer, do you have anything to add there? Um, I would. Absolutely reiterate everything Niall has said, um, uh, but just just something that has changed for us all in the last like year has 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 obviously been COVID. But um, a lot of events have moved online, and a lot of the kind of traditional networks maybe aren't meeting face to face anymore. So you 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 need to work a little bit harder about where people are meeting and. Um, join those so if if again in the voluntary sector if there's a particular charity you're you're interested in volunteering for i would sign up to their newsletter make sure you're signing up to their online events if they're having them and if they're doing any consultations around issues respond to them um locally but it, it is uh, and i uh, you know they definitely those traditional forms of meeting as groups have have waned slightly hopefully they'll come back but and mm -hmm. um, you, you kind of need to search and sign up for some some events now and even just talking from the community foundation's perspective like we're, we we do what we call seeing is believing where we bring right people out to visit projects and see what the challenges are in the community and you need to sign up for those but that you won't get the invitation unless you're on the newsletter so it's just thinking all of that through where do you find the networks and that's back to this the types of issues that that, that you're interested in I, I would okay. encourage you to look at that as well yeah. okay and another question in, in here that 
with the voluntary sector, um, you know, there may not be, um, you know, funding can be an issue and, you know, that can put people slightly off um, joining the voluntary, vol the voluntary sector, although it is their passion. What advice would you give to someone who maybe has that niggling at the back of their head? Shifra, if you want to take that, then I'm going to go Yeah, and, and um, I, I suppose f funding as in, you don't mean, do you mean the salary that you might get? Or yeah, the, yeah, the, it can the be, yeah. The certainty can... of a post over so many years. Exactly. And, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. You, there are there there are a lot of posts that might be for three years rather than, mm -hmm. you know, a permanent post. But I actually think permanent posts are probably like a thing of the past now, and no matter what yeah. sector you're in, you know, yeah. you do need to keep moving um, yeah. and developing your career, whatever sector you're in. So I wouldn't let it, uh, turn you off it but but if you don't have the passion for the okay. voluntary sector that I think that's more important it you will always make it work and and my my career has has all been really been about development and income generation and and um, you know and um, there's always money somewhere I mean I, I will say that I mean it, it it moves around and it um but where where you know where there's a will there's a way and there's a, there, there's always need and there'll be need for your skills so don't 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 let that put you off. Um, okay. And I think particularly as a graduate, I mean, you're starting off in your career, you know, you can't expect either to come in as the CEO. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that okay. doesn't doesn't work either. So, mm -hmm. um, um, and, you know, most people at graduate level aren't kind of in, uh, you know, they, they don't have responsibilities like a family, a mortgage or uh, and, and children. You're at a very different stage in your life. So use that opportunity, you know, yeah. To, to, yeah. to develop your career. Yeah. yeah. Now, I have a question, and actually, for for yourself, what types of roles would there be for students for students studying um, history, anthropology, politics, and philosophy subjects with yourselves? Uh, well, I mean, we would have a lot of um, graduates coming through the doors with arts degrees. Um, yeah. I mean, my own case, I had to return to school or to school to university to do my professional qualifications for uh, social work. So. My own view is that people who've completed that type of degree, there are key skills within those degrees that they have and they can bring to the job of, uh, of, of, of a probation officer, in particular report writing. As I said um, during my um, presentation, report writing is a big part of, our, uh, of the probation officer's role um, and those type of degrees lend themselves to the sort of individuals that, that we want. Um, I focused Rachel very much on probation officer roles, but there are other opportunities also with probation board for, for instance, trainee forensic psychologists or, mm -hmm. or community service supervisors. Um, so, you know, there, there are a number of different avenues uh, in the probation and the work we do, but the degrees that you have mentioned um, for the probation officer role will still require the social work qualification postgrad, but the skills are there you know i mean my own uh, degree was a, a law uh, politics degree um okay. and again i felt that it gave me a grounding um in report writing and an awareness of the overall you know context of, of criminal justice um okay. at, at a very early stage so i would encourage anybody um, and the person who asked that question to um you know, to build on their experience and to do their social work qualification, which will, will complement those degrees. Okay, okay. Um, we're going to come to an end because I have one final question to ask you just, just at the end. So um, I want to say a massive thank you. Your presentations were brilliant. A massive thank you, thank you to you both for giving up your time to come in today, to speak to ourselves, to speak to the students watching today. We had some um, great, great questions um, and we really, really appreciate it. Um, I just want to also thank um, Nula in the background and Karen in the background for their help and support today as well. Um, um, so I just to end off, just a question for yourselves. Um, if, you, if you're looking back to maybe your 20-whatever-year-old self whenever you graduated from university, um, what, you know, knowing now, what would it be that, knowing the information that you have now at hand, what would be that one thing you would tell yourself maybe on graduation day? And maybe we'll go to um, Shifra first. Wow. <laughs> what would I say to myself? Um, I would say take every opportunity going. Um, 
and um, you know, seek them out as well. They don't always just land, you know. Um, and and I think I was very lucky with the ACE scheme, um, and that started me. But I did have to kind of work and push myself to kind of get out of my comfort zone a little bit along the time. So I think uh, definitely that and and a really good mentor. You know, find right. somebody within whatever profession or sector you're in that, that inspires you. That would be the two things. Okay. Okay. Great. Thank you. And Niall, what would you tell yourself on graduation day? Um, well, I would tell myself to not panic that things will work out and you will get the career uh, that the, you deserve and that suits your skills. But I would echo too what Sheepa was saying, make sure you do speak to people who are in the job and mm. who are going to light that fire within you. Because, yeah. um, you know, that's the best, I think, starting point for, for a lot of us when we were in our early, early mid-twenties is that we met either an individual or a number of individuals who, you know, cultivated the interest and encouraged it and to, to keep going. And again, back what Shifra said was access all opportunities, even if they don't appear to be remotely connected to your career path, they will be because all skills are very much transferable and particularly in this pandemic age we're volunteering and helping out our neighbor is key to um to us getting through it those are brilliant skills which you will bring uh, to to whatever role you're going to take and not to under under mm. estimate okay the importance okay that that's good you can just keep your cameras on there i'm just going to go through just a few more um details and um, don't forget to follow us on our social media um, which is what you'll find out all the upcoming events that are taking place um, from careers, employability and skills. And again, it's very important that um, to, 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 to have a think about what Shifra and Niall have said today and to go back and to look look at our website and to reflect on um, on maybe some of the, the key learnings that you took away today. This this recording will go up on our website of, of past events. Um, Yes, so on that note, I want to say a massive thank you again to both our, 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 our speakers, Niall. Thank you again for your time and Chief, thank you very much for your time. And everyone watching, have a great day. Take care. You've been listening to a podcast from the Careers, Employability and Skills team at Queen's. Music by Ben Sound. To access Career Support at Queen's, please visit our website go.qub.ac.uk forward slash careers or follow at QUB Careers on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter.